0: This morning's reading comes from the Old Testament book of Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 to 9. And this passage deals with Moses meeting God at Mount Sinai. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, "'This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you in eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant,' Then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. Amen. Thanks be to God.
1: I have carried you on eagles, Wings. Let's pray as we turn to reflect on God's word. Lord, thank you that you are strong and kind. We come to you this morning as we journey through the desert. It doesn't feel as if we have been on eagles' wings, but that is your assurance that you have been with us every step of this journey of ours. Lord, this morning we ask you to open our eyes to see you there. Help us to understand Who you are and who we are in the light of your love. For we pray in Jesus name. Amen. We come this morning to another significant passage in the story of Exodus that we have been studying for I think it's 16 weeks now. Since we started way back then we took a break and then we came back to it we We come with the children of Israel now to the foot of Mount Sinai. We come to this place where they are invited to meet with God in a unique way and to receive His very words from His own lips. This place is significant in the narrative of the Old Testament. The people will stay here through the rest of the book of Exodus, through the whole of the book of Leviticus, and a third way through the book of Numbers. The events that take place here are so significant that they will later be memorialized by the Jewish people as a significant festival, the Feast of Booze, otherwise known as the Feast of Pentecost is is based on this event here at the foot of Sinai. Here at the beginning of the people's sojourn at Mount Sinai, God in verses 4, 5 and 6 of our passage is quite clear about his purpose for his people. And I think it would be valuable for us as his people today to look at these verses in detail this morning. Perhaps these three verses will help us to understand our purpose and how we might fulfill that God given purpose. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt And how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Can we have that up on the screen, please? There we go. There we go. This is the passage that we're looking at specifically this morning. And that first part there in the passage is obviously God speaking of the past. God is hearkening back to his redemption of his people from Egypt and their journey through the desert up until now. In the next line, however, God transitions from speaking about the past to speaking about the present. He says, now. And then there is a conditional if-then statement. God says, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, what God is saying here cannot mean that by keeping the law, which, by the way, the people of God haven't received yet. They're about to receive it, but they haven't received it yet. What God is not saying is that by keeping the law, they will become God's unique people. And what God is not saying is that if they keep the commandments, he will save them. These people are already God's unique people. He's already saved them. We've seen that as he's brought them out of Egypt and taken them through the Red Sea. They are his people and they are saved by their gracious God. So what is it that God is promising these folks? If they obey him and keep his commandments, what will happen? What is that conditional statement all about? Well, the word covenant, I believe, is a clue here. Do you know that word covenant? Do you remember the last time in Scripture that it was talked about where God has made a covenant with someone? Well, the last time is way back in the story of Abraham, that story that happened several generations before. In Genesis chapter 12, God makes a covenant with Abraham. And the covenant that God makes with Abraham is ratified in a ritual in Genesis 15. Now, a shorthand for covenant is promise. In Genesis 12, God makes a covenant promise to Abraham. And the covenant promise that he makes to Abraham is not just for him, but it is for all his ancestors too. So the covenant promise that God makes to Abraham is for the children of Israel who are standing here in our story at the foot of Mount Sinai. God's promise to Abraham way back then was, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and you will be a blessing. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Basically what God is promising Abraham is to bless him. But even more than that, God is promising that through Abraham and through his ancestors, He is going to bless the whole earth. I think that here in Exodus 19, God is promising the same thing that he was promising to Abraham back there in Genesis 12. God is promising that through this people who are standing here, At the foot of Mount Sinai, he is going to bless the nations. He's going to bless the whole world. Out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession, he says. Although or because the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests. Now, some people might interpret these verses and I can see why. As God's saying to the Israelites, I don't really care for the rest of the nations. You only, you exclusively are the people I care for. I'm going to set you apart. I'm going to make you a holy nation. I'm going to look after you. But that can't be what God is saying. That can't be what God is saying in the light of his promise to Abraham way back then and his stated purpose to bless the whole world through Abraham. And it can't be what God is saying in the light of the phrase here at the end of this verse. That phrase is, you will be a kingdom of priests kingdom of priest what does it mean to be a priest well a a priest is a go-between a priest is someone in the middle a priest represents people to god or gods and the priest represents god or gods to people A priest takes the offerings that the people bring to the deity, and the priest offers them up to God. And if the offering is acceptable, the priest brings the blessing of the deity to the people. The priest is in the middle. If the people have sinned, the priest brings the pleas for forgiveness to the God or God's And if the deity wishes to pardon them, the priest pronounces pardon to the people. The priest is in the middle between God and the people. When God says here that his people will be a kingdom of priests, God is obviously thinking that he is on the one side of the equation. He is the God Indeed, he is the only true God. But our question is, who is on the other side of this equation? Who are the people that the Israelites, as a kingdom of priests, will play the role of priest for? Out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession Although the whole earth is mine, or because the whole earth is mine, you will be a kingdom of priests. The sense of the passage is that it is the nations for which the people of Israel are meant to play the role of priests. On behalf of the nations, the the people of God are to worship God. On behalf of the nations, they are to worship God. They are to bring God the praise of the peoples and of the whole earth. And on behalf of God, they are to give instruction. On behalf of God, they are to give to the nations God's words. And they are to be a shining example of how to live in God's world and to bring God's blessing and mercy to the peoples of the world. And how are the people of God to play this role of priests to the nations? They are to play it, according to our passage, by being a unique covenant being in a unique covenant relationship with God and by obeying him, by obeying his words, these words that he's about to give them there on Mount Sinai. By obeying him, they will stand out as different. These words will make them stand out as bright stars in an otherwise dark world. What a great plan God has, not just for Abraham and his descendants, but for the whole world. What a great plan. However, however, given what we know about these people, given what we know about these people as we have journeyed through the wilderness with them the question looms heavy are these people are these people really up to this job that they are being called to and for that matter how would you and i fare in their shoes would we be up to the task of being a treasured possession, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation? So in verse 9 of our passage, when the challenge from God to be a treasured possession, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation is presented to the children of Israel, all the people of Israel respond we will do everything the Lord has said. I don't know what you think, but given all the failures that we have seen so far, given the grumbling and the moaning and the mistrust of God and his servant Moses by these people, I think the odds against God's plan ever succeeding are stacked against it. And of course, that is the story of the rest of the Old Testament, isn't it? Though God has chosen these people, though he has carried them on, on eagles wings, though over and over he punishes the punishes them by way of correction And though over and over he forgives them and restores them, they continue to be unfaithful. They continue to be rebellious and disobedient. Instead of a a light to the nations, according to the prophets, these people become a mockery over which the peoples of the world shake their head in derision and wonder. So what does that say about God's plan to, to use his people to bless the world and bring redemption? Was that plan doomed to fail from the very beginning? Was it a bad plan on God's part? Well, of course, it, it wasn't a bad plan. God doesn't make bad plans. But it was a plan that the Israelites could not carry out on their own. It was a plan that they could not fulfill. They they could not be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation in and of their own strength. From very soon in the story that we have before us there at Mount Sinai, we see the people reneging on their calling to be a kingdom of priests. They say tellingly to Moses at the end of chapter 20, after God has invited them into his presence, they they say to Moses, Moses, you speak to us. You speak to us and we will listen But do not let God speak to us, or we will die. According to their own pleas, they need someone else. They can't do this on their own. They need someone who would play the role of priest and holy nation for them. They've seen God's holiness portrayed in in fire and a smoking mountain and in the earth trembling. And they realize that they as sinful people dare not approach a holy God. They realize that they need a mediator. They need someone to stand between them and God so they choose Moses and they tell Moses to go for them. They tell Moses to speak to them instead of God. But it turns out in the story that Moses too is not up to that task of being the mediator, being the priest between God and the people. At the end of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses too is punished for disobeying God he he's not up to the task Moses turns out not to be the mediator that the people need the words of God to the people of Israel there in Exodus 19 are repeated again in the New Testament can we have that up on the screen Peter the Apostle in his letter to his Christian friends this time, says of their calling and of our calling as Christian people, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a nation, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. How do you feel about that job description of yours? How do you feel about being called a chosen people, being a royal priesthood? How do you feel about being part of a a holy nation? I don't know about you, but my natural response to that job description is to say there is just no way that that is me. (laughs) With this job description, I'm going to do as badly as the people of Israel before me. Now, Peter, the apostle, knows very well the story of Israel's failure, and he knows that you and I, too, are just as fickle as those people who went before us the apostle paul uh, the apostle peter here isn't asking us to do something that he knows that we're going to fail at he's not asking us to do something that we cannot do but we are all after all no better than israel peter calls us to this identity he calls us to fulfill this job description This job description between God and our neighbors, between God and our families, between God and our world, only because of Jesus. Peter calls us to do this only because he knows there is a mediator who is better than Moses. He knows that Jesus has fulfilled this job description by who he was and what he did. You see, where Israel was not up to being a treasured possession, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, and where you and I too would fall flat on our faces if we tried to fulfill that job description on our own, Jesus is able to do it. As he walked the earth, living and loving as God meant all of us to live and love, Jesus was the holy nation in Israel's stead, and in our stead too. As he sacrificed himself on the cross on behalf of the world, and as he subsequently pours out God's forgiveness and mercy Jesus is the true, faithful, kingly priest that Israel and we in our own steam could not be. Brothers and sisters, we are a chosen people. In Jesus we are. A chosen people in Jesus we are a royal priesthood in Jesus we are a holy nation and at this table we are reminded that by virtue of what Christ has done for us and with his spirit living in us as his gift we are all those things uh, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And we can do what God calls us to do, not in our own strength, of course, but in his strength given to us. So as we gather at this table, let us eat and let us remember and let us live into the reality given to us in the new covenant in Jesus. Let's live into that promise that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And let's ground ourselves in this reality. Christ is. In us, the hope of glory to come, not just for us, but for the whole world, and often for the whole world through us, the body of Christ.